Welcome to Lore of the Loch, brought to you by the Any Collective. Come, take a seat by the fire. Today's tale is a story of grief and revenge. Are you sitting comfortably? Then let's begin. Tom Thoradale and his three sons, Ronald, Magnus and Sigurd, were sitting around their kitchen table, finishing their evening supper, lumpy oatmeal and stale bread. That was a fine meal, if I do say so myself. That it was. Thank you, Father. Mmm, mmm, thank you, Father. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Father. What are you waiting for, Sigurd? It's your turn to clean up the dishes. Um, I'm sure you'll find it is Magnus's turn. Bollocks! I did them yesterday! Ronald, my eldest and wisest son. Whose turn is it to do the woman's chores tonight? If I am to be honest, Father, I haven't a clue. But frankly, I think it is about time we found a woman to do the woman's work. I could not agree more, brother. How are we to become men if we must act like women every day? Just think of all the extra time you would have to drink fine ale at the public house if you did not have to cook every evening. I did not know you felt this way, sons. It is my priority to raise you all to be fine men, and you are right. I simply cannot do that if we are forced to cook and clean. Men need space and time to be men. I would have done this earlier, but I did not want to replace your dear mother. No woman, no matter how beautiful, could replace our mother. I think of mother every day, and I know she would not want us to carry on like this. Mother always wanted for her precious boys to be taken care of. You're right, all of you. Boy, you have all grown up so much. I shall start a search for a suitable woman tomorrow. The next day, the men went down to the local public house in search of a new wife and mother. Oh, father! What about that lass? Over there? Ugh, not the one with the scurvy. Yes, perhaps not. Wait, what about the one that just walked in? I refuse to have a mother fatter than I. Beggars cannot be choosers, Ronald. We are hardly beggars, Father. Do you want a new mother or not? (sighs) Father, look! God seemed to have been listening to this family's prayers, as in walked the most beautiful and kind-hearted girl in Evie, Maggie Forsyth. (gasps) That's the one. She is perfect. For once, I agree with you, Sigurd. Hold my drink. I'm going in. Madam, as you are fair and beauteous, be generous and merciful to him that is your slave. (laughs) Gross. That is not what you want to see. Oh, shush. He looks happy. It was love at first sight for Tom and Maggie. She was as sweet as sugar, and the perfect mother for the boys. Mmm, Maggie, this baked cod is delightful. Thank you, dear. Your father caught it fresh this morning. (laughs) Yes, it has certainly satisfied my belly. Well, I hope there's room for more. While you were all out at work, I made an apple pudding. (laughs) How did you know? That is my favorite dessert in the whole world. Oh, really? Mine too. I can make it whenever you like. Is everyone done? Aye. Thanks. Thanks. 
Great. I shall clear the plates and bring out the pudding. Father, she made apple pudding. Hmm? You have to propose before someone else snatches her up. Yes, I am in complete agreement. It cannot get any better than this. Hold on a minute. It is father who has to marry her, share her bed, and shoulder her burdens. What do you say to it, father? I am experiencing a sensation of tenderness and yearning that I have not for a long time. When she is away, she dances in my mind still. When she is here, I cannot tear my eyes away from her supple lips as though they call to me. Ew. A simple yes or no would have sufficed. Later that same evening, Tom and Maggie took a stroll along the beach. What lovely weather tonight. And look, such calm seas. The beach is such a romantic place, don't you think? I do. Which is why this is the perfect place to do this. Tom grabbed Maggie's hand and knelt down on one knee. Maggie, since I met you, I've discovered a new lease of life. And well, to get to the point, I cannot live another day without having you as my wife. Will you marry me? Oh, yes! Yes, I will marry you! (laughs) I do. I do! They were then pronounced man and wife, and vowed to cherish each other until death do they part. The next morning, Tom and Maggie set off on their honeymoon to a small private beach cabin. Shall we set off in the rowing boat for a picnic, wife? Why, yes, husband. (laughs) That sounds like a splendid idea. The newlywed strolled down to the shore, and Maggie leapt into the rowing boat. One moment, love. Let me first tie my shoe. Tom bent down to tighten his laces when he heard a startling sound. He looked up to see a fin man had snuck into the boat and grabbed Maggie, rowing them out into the ocean at the speed of light before Tom could do anything. Maggie! Maggie! No! He cried out in rage and heartbreak, and, falling down to his knees below the high water mark, he swore an oath that he would exact revenge from the fin folk, somehow, some way. Time passed and Tom's son's concern for their father grew. It was said he never spoke a word since the day he saw his wife stolen away. Instead, he spent the days going for long walks along the beach, waiting for answers to come his way. What are we going to do about father? Surely now he's had enough time to grieve. It seems some men never come back from the place he is lost in. Have some faith, Magnus. He's a strong man. Tom set off in his daily walk, lost in his thoughts, when all of a sudden, a sound travelled to him across the water. Good man, cry no more for me, for me again you'll never see if you would have a vengeance, joy Tom headed straight to the Hoy boat with Silver in his socks. Once he arrived on the shores of Hoy, the wise woman was awaiting him. She was a funny-looking woman with a crooked nose and grey wispy hair, but never were truer words spoken 
than when she spoke. I know why you are here, Tom. I am saddened to tell you that you will never see your new wife again. She belongs to the sea now. But there is something you can do to gain vengeance, if you so wish to darken your soul with its drive. My soul has been dark since the day she left. Then so it must be. One thing that would hurt the Finfolk more than anything else is to lose any part of Hildeland. Hildeland, also known as Einhelga or Einhalo, meaning Holy Island, was a tiny island that lay where two tides met, which means there was often broken water, churning with white foam raging on either side of the island, which is called a roost. Hildeland was occupied by the Finfolk at this time, and they used its land for its magical properties and as an onshore home away from the glare of human eyes. This is a complex mission, and I can only share it with you this once, so listen carefully. And so the wise woman gave the instructions with which to destroy Hildeland. Tom got on the boat back home with purpose for the first time in a long, long time. Oh, father, you're back. Good walk today? Hmm. (sighs) Worth a try. Something seemed a little different, though. Don't you think? Yes. He had a determined look upon his face. Hmm. Good. It can only get better from here. Every night, when the moon was full, he would go to the Odin Stone. Oh, (laughs) the Odin Stone is an ancient standing stone and has an infamous hole through the middle of it. This stone has an uncanny reputation. It could cure ills, and if you held hands through it and made the Odin Oath, then you were as good as married. So, for nine nights, on the night of the full moon, Tom would go on his bare knees, crawling nine times around this stone, and then looked through the hole. On the ninth night, he was shown what he must do next to destroy Hildeland. He went home and got a wooden chest called a mealgurno, and he filled it with salt and set three woven baskets, known as Casey's, on top of it. Sons, wake up! Oh, oh Lord! Uh, What now? Come on! Get downstairs, you bunch of twits! (sighs) Ronald, I think he's gone completely mad. Mm, what time is it? It couldn't be any earlier than one or two in the morning. For goodness sake. I won't ask again. Coming. Ah, finally. Now listen up. This is going to sound absurd, but we must execute this plan without error. But we must wait till the time is right. (laughs) One fine summer's morning... Tom got up and went outside. He yawned, stretched, and looked out over the sound towards the ocean. And there he saw it. A beautiful green island where there had never been one before. He called to his sons. Boys! Boys! It is time! Tom kept his eyes fixed on the island, for if he looked away, even for a moment, he would never see Hildeland again. You messed with the wrong mortal scumbags. They carried the meal gurnal, filled with salt, down to the boat. Oh, by Thor! This is bloody heavy. <clears throat> Lift with your knees, Magnus. Almost there. 
<sighs> they then took their cases on their backs and placed everything inside the stern of the boat. They pushed the boat down to the water and Tom leapt into the bow, never taking his eyes off that island. Uh, can you see what he's looking at? Nope, not a clue. Don't distract me! The three boys rowed the boat with Tom stood in the bow, staring ahead. Suddenly, a school of whales came swimming in through the bay. Those are some big whales. We get a good price for all the oil found in these. We ought to herd them ashore, no? With the money we get from these, we could fix up the whole house. And still afford a trip to the mainland to find wives of our own. Ooh, a wife of my own. <laughs> that would be nice. No! Carry on rowing! You will get no oil from them, boys. Just then, the largest whale broke away from the rest and swam towards the boat, its huge mouth open as if it would swallow them whole, boat included. My god, it's coming awfully close. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I don't like the look of that. I do not like the look of that at all. Father? Father? We cannot keep rowing. We are sticking to the plan. Tom took a handful of salt from the chest and threw it into the monster's gaping mouth. Take that! The whale disappeared from sight. Tom knew that the finfolk were using their magic to conjure up phantoms in order to frighten and distract them from their task in hand. Then, as the boat got nearer to the shore, the mermaids started to sing. Their voices were so beautiful that the boys' heads started to swim. Oh, by Bridget. Wow. The boys started to row slower and slower, but Tom kicked Ronald and shouted, Row! Row, damn you! Then he took a cross that he had made by twisting together seaweed, and he threw it at the mermaids, saying, Yeah! Take that, you unholy tots! On seeing the sign of the cross, the mermaid screamed and jumped into the sea with a splash. Then the boat grounded on the Einhallow shore. This was the first time that the boys could see that there was an island at all. Blimey. And here I thought the old man had just lost his wits completely. How have we never seen this island before? We walk those beaches every day. Sorry I doubted you, father. Save it for later. Right now, we must focus on what must be done. Tom jumped onto the shore, only to be faced with an enormous, slimy beast covered in scales from head to toe, with huge, gnarly tusks spitting flames from its mouth. Tom took a handful of salt and threw it into the monster's face. It disappeared into thin air, and in its place stood a thin man with a drawn sword. Tom recognized him as the same thin man who had stolen his wife. <laughs> the Finn man dared to speak. Go back from whence you came. I know the reason you are here. It is to steal part of Hilda Land, but I am warning you, leave now or I will defile this land with your disgusting human blood. The boys were petrified to leave the little boat. Father, quick, run, get back to the boat. Quiet, Ronald, there is nothing to fear. Tom stood his ground. The Finn man lunged at him, slashing his sword through the air. But Tom jumped to one side and threw another cross at the Finn man. This one 
was made from a kind of sticky grass called cloggers, which stuck to the Finman's face. The sign of the cross burned into his cheek, but he dared not touch it in order to pull it off, as this would burn his hands. So he turned around, defeated, and ran away. Whoa, father, that was extraordinary. Go on, dad. Be quick, boys. You know what to do now. His three sons got out of the boat, taking the meal gurnal of salt and the cases with them. They filled the cases full of the salt and walked around the island three times, sewing salt in a ring around the edge of Einhauen. Three times they went around, creating nine rings of salt right around the island. Tom cut nine crosses into the earth to sanctify it and to fix the island in place for good. The remaining Finn folk roared in anger, running down the slopes and into the sea. And that is how the Finn folk lost Einhauen. Is it done? It is, son. Well, that's a relief anyway. <sighs> Tell me about it. Shall we head back home for supper? It's Magnus's turn to cook tonight. No, it is not, you cheeky twat. Aye, it is. <laughs> <laughs> the men arrived on their home shore safely, and Tom Thoradale was finally ready and able to let go and move on. All seemed well, but Magnus had unusually large hands, so had ran out of salt before completing his last ring around the island. That is why it is said that Einhallow is still a magical place. No rats, cats, or mice can live there. Iron stakes used to tether animals would jump out of the ground. And if you tried to cut crops after sunset, the stalks would bleed. It is said that stones from Einhallow were used in Scottish houses to protect them from vermin by burying them under the threshold of the door. And soil from Einhallow was spread over fields to keep away pests that would eat the crops. Many believe that Einhallow is still a magical place to this very day. And there you have it. We hope you enjoyed our tale. Come back again next time for another story. Oh, and remember not to let your loved ones out of sight. Not even to tie your shoe.